Chapter Fifteen of Helps to Holiness. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Thomas. Helps to Holiness by Samuel Logan Brengel. Chapter Fifteen. Don't argue. The servant of the Lord must not strive. In seeking to lead a holy, blameless life, I have been helped at one point by the advice of two men and the example of two others. 1. Commissioner Dowdle. Some years ago in Boston, I attended an all-night of prayer. It was a blessed time, and scores of people sought the blessing of a clean heart that night. The scriptures were read, many prayers were offered, many songs were sung, many testimonies and exhortations were given. But of all the many excellent things said that night, there is only one I now remember. That burned itself into my memory, never to be forgotten. Just before the meeting closed, Commissioner Dowdle, speaking to those who had been to the penitent form, said, Remember, if you want to retain a clean heart, don't argue. There were twenty years of practical holiness behind that advice, and it fell on my ears like the voice of God. 2. St. Paul In writing to young Timothy, the aged apostle poured out his heart to one he loved as a son in the gospel he sought to fully instruct him in the truth so that on the one hand timothy might escape all the snares of the devil and walk in holy triumph and fellowship with god and thus save himself and on the other hand be thoroughly furnished to instruct and train other men and to save them among other earnest words these have deeply impressed me of these things put them in remembrance that they strive not about words to no purpose but to the subverting of the hearers i take it that st paul means by this that instead of arguing with people and so losing time and maybe temper we are to go right for their hearts and do our best to win them for christ and get them converted and sanctified again he says but the foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes and the servant of the lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men apt to teach patient in meekness instructing those that oppose plainly the apostle thought this advice important for he repeats it in writing to titus avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and vain i am certain that paul is right in this it takes fire to kindle fire and it takes love to kindle love cold logic will not make a man love jesus and it is only he that loveth that is born of god three marquis de renti we who have had the gospel taught us in such simplicity and purity can scarcely realize the awful darkness through which some men have had to struggle even in so-called christian countries to find the true light some hundred years ago among the luxurious and licentious nobility of france and in the midst of the idolatrous forms and ceremonies of the catholic church the marquis de renti attained a purity of faith and a simplicity of life and character and a cloudless communion with god that greatly adorned the gospel and proved a blessing not only to the people of his own community and age but to many people of succeeding generations his social position his wealth and his great business ability led to his being associated with others in various enterprises of a secular and religious character in all of which his faith and godly sincerity shone with remarkable lustre in reading his life a few years ago i was struck with his great humility his sympathy for the poor and ignorant and his zealous self-denying efforts to instruct and save them his diligence and fervour in prayer and praise and his constant hungering and thirsting after all the fullness of god but what impressed me as much or more than all the rest was the way he avoided all argument of any nature for fear he should grieve the holy spirit and quench the light in his soul 
whatever matters of a business or religious nature were being discussed he carefully thought the subject over and then expressed his views and the reasons upon which he based them clearly fully and quietly after which however heated the discussion might become he declined to be drawn into any further debate whatever his quiet peaceful manner added to his clear statements gave great force to his counsels but whether his views were accepted or rejected he always went to his opponent afterwards and told them that in expressing sentiments contrary to their own he acted with no intention of opposing them personally but simply that of declaring what seemed to him to be the truth in this he seems to me to have been closely patterned after the meekness and gentleness of christ and his example has encouraged me to follow a like course and so keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace when otherwise i should have been led into wranglings and disputes which would have clouded my soul and destroyed my peace even if the holy spirit were not utterly driven from my heart four jesus the enemies of jesus were constantly trying to entangle him in his words and involve him in arguments but he always turned the subject in such a way as to confound his foes and take every argument out of their mouths they came to him one day and asked whether it was lawful to pay tribute to caesar or not without any discussion whatever he asked for a coin he then asked whose image was on the coin caesar's they replied then render to caesar the thing that are caesar's and to god the things that are god's said jesus again they brought to him a woman taken in adultery his loving heart was touched with compassion for the poor sinner but instead of arguing with her captors as to whether she should be stoned or not he simply said let him that is without sin cast the first stone at her and the whole crowd of hypocrites were so convinced and baffled by his simplicity that they sneaked out one by one till the sinner was left alone with her saviour and so all through the gospels i fail to find jesus engaged in argument and his example is of infinite importance to us it is natural to the carnal mind to resent opposition but we are to be spiritually minded by nature we are proud of our persons and vain of our opinions and we are ready to stoutly resist him who sets himself either against us or our principles our object at once is to subdue him by force of argument or force of arms but by any means to subdue him we are impatient of contradiction and are hasty in judging men's motives and condemning all who do not agree with us and then we are apt to call our haste and impatience zeal for the truth when in fact it is often a hot-headed unkind and unreasoning zeal for our own way of thinking now i am strongly inclined to believe that this is one of the last fruits of the carnal mind which grace ever subdues indeed it seems to me an old canaanite that is often let live when it should be destroyed as mercilessly as samuel hewed agag in pieces but let us who have become partakers of the divine nature see to it that this root of the carnal nature is utterly destroyed when men oppose us let us not argue nor revile nor condemn but lovingly instruct them not with an air of superior wisdom and holiness but with meekness solemnly remembering that the servant of the lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men apt to teach patient i find that often after having fully plainly and calmly stated my views to one who is opposing the truth as i see it i am strongly tempted to strive for the last word but i also find that god blesses me most when i there commit the matter into his hands and by so doing i most often win my adversary i believe this is the way of faith and the way of meekness while it may seemingly leave us defeated we generally in the end win our foe and if we have true meekness we shall rejoice more over having won him to an acknowledgment of the truth than in having won an argument end of chapter fifteen